All right, well, I wanna welcome all of our campuses to week five of our series entitled, If Only. Come on, let's just welcome all those that are joining us. Baton Rouge, Biloxi, Gulf Coast, all of our different campuses. Man, it's so exciting each week. I also wanna welcome Calvary Chapel, Bay St. Louis. You guys have been journeying with us uh, during this series. We are honored to have you with us. Well, we're in a series and we're looking at and really answering two questions. The first question is this, how do we get past our past? I'm not gonna ask for a show of hands, but man, look, all of us, myself included, what happens is we come into a new year, we've got these great hopes and dreams and expectations, but we realize that if we're, we're, not, we're not over our past, maybe last year you made a decision that you regret. So here's how it works. That emotionally tethers you. In other words, it, it keeps you bound to the past. So you want to move forward in power, but you're still bound to the past. I do want to say this as well to all of our campuses, those at Little Creek here as well. Two weeks ago, I talked about why forgiveness matters. I cannot encourage you enough. If you missed that uh, message, please download it. I got to tell you something. In my life and, and, and people, I mean, most people's lives, the number one challenge for them is if they have unforgiveness, I'm telling you, it can really keep you connected to the past. How many of y'all want to be set free to go into the future in boldness? Man, I, I know I do. I know I do. The second question that we're asking is this. How do we get to the end of our lives and not be filled with regret? I don't believe that we can eliminate all regret. We are human beings. Nobody's perfect. But I do believe we can reduce those regrets. Today I want to talk to you, I want to talk to you about a topic. Again, we've got a couple more weeks and I'm just trying to take each different topic. But today I want to talk to you about a topic called living generously. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but if I did, I wonder how many of you guys would truly consider yourself generous. Now I want you to think about that. If somebody came up to you and said, are you a generous person? How would you answer? Now I do want to say this, there has always been a rumor about Church of the King. I don't know if you guys know this or not. And the rumor is, man, that church is a generous church. Man, they're always helping people, blessing people. We don't give thousands. We don't give hundreds of thousands. We give millions of dollars away in all the communities that we serve and around the world. How many of y'all are grateful for that? Come on. That's you guys. That's what you do. We have a very generous church. It's filled with generous people. But it's interesting, I was, I was putting this message together uh, this week, I, I want to make a couple comments because not everybody is comfortable when you talk about generosity. Not everybody's comfortable. I want to define a term. I believe, and you're going to see in this message, I believe there's a difference between giving and generosity. Giving is every now and then, maybe once a year, once a month, maybe once a decade, you've given something to somebody. Generosity, it's different. Generosity is where your whole life is reoriented, where you see your purpose in life improving and helping other people. It's a different thing. It's making a difference for God. In other words, you wake up and you realize that life's not about you. But it really is the great commandment to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. And to love your what? Come on, say it. Neighbor. In other words, there's something about an outward-focused life. I want to talk to you about generosity today. What does it mean to be a truly generous person? Interesting statistics I've got here. I want to make two statements, a couple thoughts 
on research I've discovered about people in the United States. I know that people join us from around the world. I'm very grateful for everybody that joins us on Facebook Live or online, but I'm specifically talking about statistics from people that live in the United States. Two things I wanna say, statements up front. Number one, here it is. Hear me out. Most Americans don't feel rich, yet we are. I'm gonna say that again. Most Americans don't feel rich, yet we are. Number two, most Americans think we're generous, yet we aren't. Most Americans think we're generous, and yet we aren't. Why don't Americans feel rich? I'm going to tell you the number one reason. Because there's always somebody that has more. And we compare ourselves. But, now here's a question I'm going to ask for a show of hands. How many of you at all of our campuses, Metairie, Baton Rouge, Biloxi, all of our camp, how many of you guys own your own personal vehicle? Own it, lease it, whatever. Raise your hand. Come on, raise your hand. Okay. If you do, everybody that has their hands raised, that puts you in the six to 9% club. What I mean is you are in the top 10% in the global population that you have something that 90% do not. 93% of the world does not own a car, and you have a car. Wow, that's amazing. In other words, here it is, here it is. According to world standards, you're rich. You're rich. Matter of fact, many of us, we drove by 10 of our favorite restaurants one day this week, maybe for lunch or for dinner, and you got to your favorite restaurant, and when you got to your favorite restaurant, you you're a little bit aggravated because you had to wait five minutes, but, you, but, but they got you to a table that you liked. And maybe, maybe you're with some friends or family members and, and you sat down. Then they, this is crazy, they handed you something to read off of it and gave you some options. What would you like to eat? You're like, this is amazing. I, 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 just, I just, there's so many options here. It's just, wow. And then you gave them your option and, 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 and they wrote it down and then they ran off somewhere. In the meantime, you are eating as much chips and salsa sauce. Come on. How many know, come on, how many know Jesus loves Mexican food? Are y'all with me? Don't even try to say something's better than that. That's gonna be in heaven, I'm telling you. But anyway, so so here's the thing. All right, watch this, watch this. Then they bring the food out to you. And it's sizzling and it's amazing because it's chicken fajitas and you start eating this stuff. And then, and then check this out. When you're done, they take your plate and then they run off somewhere. They wash it for you. Then you get back in your car and you drive up to your house. And, and many, not all, but many people push a button. Many of you push a button because your, your car has a house. Did y'all get that? Your car has its very own house. Are y'all with me? And so you have one option. Some of y'all have two options. Some have three options. Some have more. And it's amazing. And you walk into your house, and then you have a climate-controlled environment. You can make it 72 degrees. You can make it so. You do realize what a small percentage of people around the world do this, right? And then, and then you wake up the next day, maybe for church or maybe for work, and and you walk up to your closet. Some of you walk into your closet. <laughs> and then you look at all of your clothes. You start right here. You go all the way. And you step back and you say, I don't have anything to wear. <laughs> Come on, you know I'm getting real close. You know I'm getting real close. 
Can you feel it? Come on, come on. Can you feel it? Everybody say it. Say, I'm rich. According to the world standards, you are. Wow. Now, here's what's a trip. You guys ready for this? Speaking of generosity of Americans, do you want to know what the percentage, the average percentage that Americans give away out of their income each year? Remember, according to world standards, we're rich. You know what it is? 2.8%. Blessed nation. How many of y'all love the United States of America? How many of y'all love where we live? I think it's the greatest nation in the world. I mean, my gosh, just blessed. All right, two point. No, oh, 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 yeah, by the way, by the way, if you're really blessed and you make above $100,000 a year, watch this, watch this. Guess how much, according to American standards, guess how much you give away, according to America. Guess how much? 2.6%. So in other words, if you make more money, there's a direct correlation between the more that you make, actually the less percentage that you give. I had a guy tell me one time, Pastor, I want you to pray for me. Why is that? I'm praying that I win the lottery. It's $10 million, and if I get $10 million, I'm, I'm telling you, Pastor, I'll give a million dollars to God. If I, if I win $10 million, I said, no, you won't. You can't give 100 on 1,000. You're not going to give a million on $10 million. By the way, listen, generosity has nothing to do with your level of income, nothing to do at all. It has to do with the heart. I'm talking today not about just giving. I'm talking about when you're generous, you actually reorient your life and position your life where you can make an impact. The problem is so many people wait till they have enough to be generous. I I went to college. It's kind of interesting. I kind of did some things. I went to college first. Then I went to Bible school. And then after that, I went to graduate school. And so so a lot of times people go to Bible school first, but, but it doesn't matter. I got to Bible school in Dallas, Texas, 1991. I was 22 years old. I just graduated from college, and I, I, I got there, brought my clothes, and I'm paying for all my stuff, own my own bill. Parents didn't pay for anything, and of course. I mean, I mean I'm on my own. I'm, re- I'm ready to roll. I wanted to go to Bible school. I wanted to do this. And so I, I had something that was very, very, very important to me, very, very important to me, and I'm going to tell you about it in a second. That school was such an amazing school because I learned so many things called Christ for the Nations. Then I went to the Baptist Seminary after that. I I learned so much, and there was a man, his name was Wayne Myers. By the way, you can Google Wayne Myers. He was a missionary in Mexico. Incredible, incredible. I think he's 99. I think he's still alive, almost 100 years old. And, And he had this message, and he would come in once a year. It was an incredible message. And his message was live to give. And, and so here's what we did. As, as a Bible school, he would preach all week long, and then you'd pray all week long, and then you'd ask God what God would have you to give to somebody on campus. That's how it works. So, so I remember the first year I was there, I, 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 gave away, I gave away, as a preacher, it's a big deal, young preacher, I had a set of books, you know, Bible study books. It was a big deal, but it really didn't cost me much, just to be honest. I mean, I... It, it, it wasn't that special, and, 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 but, but it was important. It was important. The second year. i never forget that second year, uh, the Holy Spirit spoke to me that week, and, and, and to, there, was a, there was a guy on campus, and this would have been kind of early spring, late, late winter, and, and, and he was from Burkina Faso. Burkina Faso, which is, if you look it up in Africa, two poorest nations in the world, Haiti and Burkina Faso. It was a number of years ago. I, I'm pretty sure there's still one and two. And he came, his name, is, his name is Ram Zengo. That's his name. And I, I remember about halfway through that week praying, and I sensed the Holy Spirit say, give Ram your jacket. Here's the problem. My jacket, listen, my jacket 
was a leather members only jacket. Can I have a witness? You don't know what you're talking about unless you've seen it. How, how, listen, that thing was so powerful. Y'all remember those leather? I mean, that, don't, I mean, oh my God, it was so amazing. And, and I remember, I remember, I remember, you get on that Friday is when it happens. You get on Friday and you, and you go over there. So I remember taking it off. And I took it off, and I guess it Ron, the Lord told me to give you this. And here's what he did. He went, he went, ooh, like this. And he picked me up and he kissed me. Like, <laughs> kissed me. I'm like, well, bro, that's not my flow. I mean, I just, I'm just, I get it. I just said, that's just not my deal. And so I was like, whoa. And so it was precious. It was, he was so precious. So every time I would see him on campus, he'd be like, Steve. And he'd sure. I was there in July, 108 degrees in Dallas. He had that jacket on. Can I tell you something? I cannot tell you how good it made me feel. By the way, by the way, there are certain emotions that God designed you with that are never unlocked. You never feel them unless you give. You do realize that. There's certain things that God's designed you neurologically, certain endorphins and serotonin. There's certain things that, that, are, that, are, that are locked out. But when you give, oh man, it feels so good. It's like, yes, I would see him. And of course, I'd high five him. You know, just, and it's just amazing. The problem was is that, is, that, is that now I didn't have a jacket. I know some of you think, well, you know, you probably had a hunter jacket. No, 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 no. It cost me. But I began to learn a lesson. I'm going to reorient my life. I'm going to go pick up extra shifts at the restaurant that summer because I loved the thrill of obeying God. And I loved being a vessel. If God speaks to you, will you open your hands and bless? Talking about generosity. Generosity is a whole reorientation of life. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a different mindset. The problem is, is that we often have a scarcity mentality. I don't believe if I ask, and I'm not going to ask, but if I ask for a show of hands, how many of y'all would like to be generous and give? I mean, everybody raise their hands. Matter of fact, someone said, man, I'd like to more. Here's the problem. The problem is fear. It's a scarcity mentality. And the problem is, is that you think that if you give, it just goes away. And, 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 and God doesn't, it just kind of goes off. And, and it just goes into the sunset. But the reality is, it actually sets you up for a cycle. See, scarcity says this. We consume we lack, we fear. So what do we do? We consume more. We lack more. Then we fear more. Consume, lack, fear. Consume, lack, fear. So now I'm in a cycle of scarcity and fear. So when God speaks to me to be a blessing and to help, I can't do it. Why? Because I'm locked in a cycle of scarcity. But as Christ followers, we, we shouldn't live in a cycle of scarcity. We should live in a cycle of supply, supernatural supply. The difference there is, here it is, consume, lack, fear. Here's this, give, bless, bless more. Give, bless, God multiply. You put seed in the ground, and then God blesses, and then it multiplies, and, and, then, and then there's some for you, and then there's more to give. And it's, it's a one, so one is a cycle of scarcity. The other is a cycle of supernatural supply. As Christ followers, listen, I don't want to get to the end of my life in regret. Because what? Because I, couldn't, I wasn't available to God? When God spoke to me to do things and do that, I couldn't do that. Why? Because I was locked in a cycle. I want to help you guys. I want to make sure we get to the end and we feel like, man, we, we've done everything that we could for the Lord and we've been available to God. Available to God. This is what we do as Christ followers. Number one, we give generously. As Christ followers, we give. Let me share what Paul said. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. This is a spirit. It's a principle, but it's an attitude. It's a spirit. 
spirit of understanding who God is and what God wants to do in and through our lives. Paul said, you must decide in your heart now how much you can give. I, I, I felt the Holy Spirit spoke to me. It was a job. I'm like, we're going to do this thing. I didn't give it reluctantly. I was excited for God loves a cheerful giver. And let me tell you something. Listen, hey, by the way, by the way, you may the first time give reluctantly, then you get hooked on the feeling that God designed you with and you'll never go back. Are you with me? You go to the grocery store, God speaks to you to buy somebody's groceries. And, and, and I'm not talking about just because it's Christmas Eve. I'm talking about because you've reoriented your life. You do it, they cry, you're like, yes, God. And then, you, and, and, then, and then they hug you and say, you know, you don't know what's going on in my life. And then you walk away and there's a satisfaction that you've obeyed God, you've helped somebody. And God will generously provide for you. And then you'll always have everything that you need and plenty left over to share with others. It's a cycle, a cycle of supply. And when we give and, and when we sow, God multiplies. Look at, verse, look at verse 10 and 11. This is so powerful. Verse 10 says this, for God is the one who provides seed for the farmer. God's the one. God is the one that's giving you life, sir. God's giving you strength. God's giving you the mental acumen. He's giving you the, God's giving you the emotional energy. And, 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 and God placed you in an amazing nation with opportunity. Listen, we've got to see God's the one that gives seed for the farmer. Why? Some of it is to eat. In the same way, he'll also provide and increase your resources and produce a great harvest for you. Some's to eat, some's to give. Look at, the, look, look at how powerful this is. You'll be enriched in every way. By the way, I want to go on record saying this. We do not believe that God's favor and blessing is just related to finances. All of us know some rich people that don't have peace with God. They're not really blessed. Why? Because they're, everything's a wreck around. They may make a lot of money. How many of you know the blessing of God does include that, though? It's, it's the blessing in every, everybody say blessing. Here's what Paul said. He says you'll be enriched in every way, in every part of our lives. Why? So that you can be generous. And when we take our gifts to those in need, listen, there's thanksgiving from that. So, so, so scarcity is consume, lack, fear, consume, lack, fear. A cycle of blessing is, is, is give, blessed, and, and, and then more, a harvest for, and then it, it just, it's a, it's, a, it's a healthy cycle. So the question is, okay, pastor, how do I then reorient my life? How do I reorient? I know that this is not an action, but an identity. By the way, generosity is not an action. It is an identity. You become a generous person. That's, a, that's not a doing, that's a being. I, I am a generous, why? Because I've allowed God, listen, I've allowed God to reorient my soul from self to others. I've allowed God to reorient. Listen to me, the no, I want everybody to hear me at all of our campuses. I got 15 minutes, I want everyone to stay with me. The number one way and the number one biblical practice the number one biblical practice that God has placed in his word, Old Testament, all the way through into the New Testament, the number one way that God has given us as by way of a practice to reorient our insides is the principle, the first step of generosity is learning the principle of the tithe. The tithe is not the ceiling, the tithe is the floor. Pastor, what do I mean by that? Let me give you this. This is important. I want everyone to key in. Tithing. Giving back to God the first 10% of my increase actually breaks the cycle of scarcity. And it creates a new cycle of supply. Wow. What does the word tithe mean? The word tithe is the Hebrew word, and it actually means masar, and it means tenth. 
It means a tenth. It's the first 10%. As God blesses, God increases, we give back to God the first 10. Now, it's interesting. I begin to unpack this, and there's, there's so much I could teach about. By the way, I went back in my notes. The last time I taught a message on tithing was October 2017. The reason why, I usually do a stewardship series October, November, but this year we did 2020 Vision, which was so important. The year before that, 2018, we kicked off the Beyond Campaign of all our building expansion, but the principle of tithing. It's been over two years since I've actually taught it. And it's so powerful, and I, I apologize because, matter of fact, Doug Arman was with somebody this week, and here's what he said. He says, my neighbor kept inviting me to church. I finally came, and the pastor was teaching on time. I thought, well, this is different. He said, I never heard about that before. He said, I started doing it. I just obeyed God. He said, it made so much sense. I just started doing it. And he goes, it was amazing what began to happen in my life. People will say stuff like this. Well, you know, pastor, isn't tithing just in the Old Testament? It's actually Old Testament and New Testament. Well, isn't it in the law? It's actually before the law. Abraham, the great patriarch of faith, brought his tithe, the first 10%, the first of his fruits, Genesis chapter 14, to his high priest, Melchizedek. It's not, listen, it is a principle. I want everyone to hear what I'm about to say. It is the principle that God gives us in his word to keep money in right relationship with our lives. I want everyone to hear this. Money is a lousy God, but a wonderful tool. We serve God and use money. We don't serve money and use God. God doesn't have a problem with you having money. He has a problem with money having you. And the number one way to keep money off the throne of your heart and keep it at the tool level, watch this, is the principle of the tithe. It's that powerful. It reorients our insides. It's an ancient biblical practice that God has given his people for generation after generation. I want to close by giving you three specific points about the power of reorienting your soul towards generosity. I want to talk about the power of the tithe in three ways. Number one, the tithe, giving the first 10% of your income to God. Number one, it teaches you to put God what? Say it first. How can the creator be anything but first? Look at the scripture in Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 23. The purpose of tithing. This is the Bible. The purpose. Pastor, what is the purpose of tithing? Here it is. The purpose, I don't know how clear you can get it, of tithing is to teach you. Remember what I said, reorientation? The purpose of tithing. It's to teach you and I. It's to train our soul. It's to teach us to always put God what? Say it. First in our lives. See, when God is our leftovers, well, I just every now and I tip God. But no, when you get paid, the first 10% of your income goes to God, boom. What it's doing is it's keeping money off the throne of your heart. It's a wonderful tool to enjoy and to bless people. But, 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 but if, if you don't, a tither, it can, it can, uh, the money can take an, an inappropriate relationship with your life. I know, so you think, Pastor, Woo, man, I'd never heard anything like this before, man. If I, if I really began to tithe, I'd have to reorient my life. Yes, you would. Pastor, are you saying that I'd have to make radical decisions? If you, whatever you've got to do to radically make decisions to adjust your life in order to obey God, do it. You'll never be disappointed. I want to say this. I am so grateful to my dad. My dad and my mom were tithers, and they taught me. I mean, they taught me how to tithe. And, and oh, by the way, tithing, it's just, it, there's offerings above that to the poor, to missions, and to all the above. But, but, but my dad and mom taught me. 
I thank God. Then I had a businessman get a hold of my life, and he taught me the power of tithing. And I saw he was a tither, and I saw the blessing, and I, and I saw how God would increase. Of course, he worked hard, but, but he always would say, he said, Steve, always put God first. And then I had a pastor in my life uh, that, that discipled me. So I had my dad, I had a businessman, I had a pastor, and they taught me about the power of putting God first in your life at the time. And I remember one of them said, Steve, listen, keep money in right relationship with your life. Money's always going to try to take the place of God on the throne of your heart. The only thing that keeps money, listen, serving you rather than you serve money is when you learn to tithe. Number two, the second thing about the power of tithing is this. The tithe builds your faith. Malachi chapter 3 verse 10, look what it says. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. The place that you're fed spiritually. That's where your tithe goes, that there may be food in my house. Test me. Everyone say, test me. Test me in this, saith the Lord Almighty, and see if I not open the windows of heaven and pour out such blessing there will not be room enough to receive it. I want you to focus on the word test me there. You know, my mom is funny. I, um, you guys all know that your moms growing up told you that there was things in the Bible that weren't there. Like, for instance, my mom used to say, Steve, cleanliness is next to godliness. It's in the Bible. I said, where? She goes, well, just, I don't know, but you need to clean your room. Come on, are y'all with me? Moms do that. They would, they would, they would say, and, and let me tell you one of the things my, my, my mom would say to me. She'd say, Steve, you better not test the Lord. Well, let me just say this. She's 99.9% .9 right. But how many you know God actually invites us to test him in this one area? And it's the power of the tithe. Here's what God says. You become a tither. And I'm asking you. Matter of fact, I think I've told you all this, but my brother would dare me to do stuff all the time. Great. You know the job of an older brother is to dare the younger brother, right? And so, you know, I dare you to do this. I dare you to do this. I can't say it because I don't want any kids to emulate this, you know, jumping off of things. So anyway, so, so and if he would, and, and I'd be like, I, I don't know, okay, you know. And then if his friends would get around, I, I double dog dare you. Don't do that. This language is so strong. Here's what God's saying. I double dog dare you to test me with the tithe. And look what it says. Open the floodgates. You know we know something about floodgates, don't we? In South Louisiana, South Mississippi, isn't that right? Particularly all of our churches in the greater world. We know something about floodgates. You ever seen a floodgate open? It's awesome to see. Here, here's, let me give you the basic essence. Everything that was on one side of the floodgate... You're going to say, you're smart, Pastor. You really got it. Everything that's on one side of the floodgate, when you open that floodgate, guess what happens? It goes where? It goes on the other side. He says that if you begin to tithe, your tithe unlocks all that's stored up in heaven. How many of y'all want heaven and opening up over your life? That's what the Bible says. I'll open up the floodgates of heaven. Oh, by the way, this week, I, there was a scripture I've never preached before. And I'm going to tell you why I've never preached it before. It's a heavy scripture. And I never really understood it, actually, this week. I added it to my message because I thought I was just thinking through this. And I felt like the Holy Spirit really helped me with this. And it's two verses before. I've never publicly preached on this verse. And I've been the pastor 20 years. The church started 20 years ago. And, and because I never really got it to the level of this week. Go up two verses. Watch this. Now, now, just stay with me. I want every campus, you guys all stay with me. I got about eight or nine minutes and I'm done. I want everybody to hang with me. Listen to this. Two verses before verse 10. Will a man 
A mere mortal rob God. Rob God? I don't want to rob God. Yet you've robbed me. Ooh, I don't want to rob God. But you ask, how are, you, how are we robbing you? There's two distinct robberies that are recorded here. Number one, everybody say in tithes. And what? And I began to think about this for a minute. Man, I don't want to rob God. What, what does it mean to rob God? Now, I want to put a pause there for a moment. I want to say something about myself, and I'm going to come back. I'm going to say this. I, I struggle. You guys may not know this, but I can really, I struggle with my weight. I have to be very careful because I exercise. I try to eat right, but the, and I stress eat like some people. Y'all stress me out. And so I, I joke. I, just, I shouldn't have said that, but I kind of believe it. And so... <laughs> So, so I, you know, I get at nighttime, and I'm just like, I'm so stressed. I get like a bag of barbecue chips, you know. You know, you, know, you don't lose the church for that. You actually get extra credit in some churches. But anyway, so I'll just, I, just, I just eat, you know. So I have to be careful what I eat. So, and I always have. It's funny, I have, I have four children. I have my daughter's 23. I have a, a, a son who's 20. I have a son who's 19. Then I have my precious little daughter, Annalise, Who's, who's 10 years old. And when the older ones were growing up, because I have to watch my weight, you'd be surprised what people say to the pastor. Pastor, you look good. Are you, are you, have you picked up a few pounds? I'm serious. People will say that. So I gotta, I'm always being evaluated. So, so as, a, as a church 10, 15 years ago, I've got little kids. We go to a restaurant. What am I gonna order? I'm gonna order a hamburger with a salad. But here's what I would tell my kids. Y'all order fries. <laughs> Come on, dad. You know what I'm talking about. So I'd make all of my kids order fries. Why? Because there's somehow less calories if they're on their plate versus your plate. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I'm like, Dad, I don't want fries. You're eight years old. No, you want, I'm telling you to order fries. But Dad, you're just getting, just be quiet, order the fries. But anyway, so, and it's a way, it's a calorie management system. Y'all with me? It's what it is. Another thing that I'm trying to, I try to get very, I'm very careful about is just because I can eat sweets. So I just, you know, so kids, you know, so it's like, I got to be careful. I'll go in there. I'll just go crazy. So, so what happens, I'll never forget a number of years ago, I was at a gas station and one of my sons goes, dad, I, I need some Skittles. They like Skittles. So he goes in the gas station and he gets some Skittles. I'm actually in the gas station with him. I get some stuff. He gets some Skittles. So it's not like I, he's eight years old. Go in there. Come back. No, I mean, I'm with him. He gets some Skittles. We get back in the car. Of course, you know what I'm thinking. And I said to him, I said, um, and, and matter of fact, he, he got a, he got a, it was a small pack. I said, oh, you don't need a lot. You know, you get sugar, your mom, you, you got to eat dinner, you know, the whole thing. And so he gets this little pack like this, literally just like that. And I said, I said, um, and I said to him, I said, hey, um, can you give me some, uh, give me, give me a couple Skittles. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, and, and he said, No. What? I want some Skittles. He said, no. I said, no, you don't understand something. You own nothing. <laughs> Everything you have, I've given you. Are you, what? I want some Skittles. And he says, I've only got a little bit. I don't care what you've got. Give me at least one of the, I'll take those from you right now. You'll see Jesus if I don't get one of those Skittles. Give me a Skittle. He said, no. I said, 
Do you realize how foolish this is? You're not going to give me one little skin. Do you realize something? You, have, you are poor. I've got a little bit of money. I do have a job. I could walk back in there. How foolish this is. I could walk back in there. I could buy the biggest Skittle bag in the world and I could walk on top of you and open the floodgates of Skittle and pour Skittles all over your head. Have you lost your mind? All I'm saying is return unto me one Skittle. I control the Skittles of the world. I know what some guests are saying. Don't give your name to anybody. Don't give your address. We'll walk straight out, honey. Straight out, straight out. <laughs> so let me answer the point. What does it mean? Watch this. What does it mean to rob God? You know what it is? When we're not participating and being at a tither and being, you know what you're actually doing? You're actually robbing God's opportunity to bless you as his kid. That's what it is. That's what, you, that's what it is. Number one, what does the tithe do? Number one, the tithe teaches you. It teaches you to put God first. Number two, what does the tithe do? It builds your faith. You start tithing, the windows open up, you see the blessing of God, you start giving them offerings, you start blessing. It's just, I'm t- it's a, watch this, it's an internal reorientation of your life and your soul. I'll give you the third and final thing and I'll close. What does tithing do on a practical level? You know what the tithe does? The tithe also provides for the work of God's church. Look what he says in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Now, offerings over and above, it's wherever the Holy Spirit tells you to give. The Bible's really clear, Malachi 3.10, that we bring the tithe, if you can pull that up, bring it into the place that you're fed spiritually. I'm going to ask one more question. Here it is. I'm going to ask. I want everybody to hear me at all of our campuses. Baton Rouge, Biloxi, and Metairie. I want everybody to hear me. How many of you guys, last question with a show of hands, how many of you could say, at some level, spiritually speaking, You being part of Church of the King has made a spiritual difference in your life. Would you raise your hand? Okay. Okay. If that's the case, how did that happen? It's because people tithed, which created an opportunity for us to be able to have spiritual food, which is the word of God, and the opportunity to be able to help people and make a spiritual difference in their lives. By the way, did you guys know there's a thousand teenagers on Wednesday night in our campuses worshiping God. Can we give the Lord a hand clap? Isn't that amazing? That's a lot of kids. Let me tell you, that's a lot, that's a lot of people. Now, why is that? Here, why is that? Because, because there's resources in the house of God because people are tithers. It creates an opportunity to have amazing staff and teams to be able to preach the word. By the way, I don't want to use this, kid, this young boy's name, but there's a young man who came to church last year at this campus, the Little Creek campus. This is powerful. God touched his life. He went to, uh, he went to uh, summer camp last year. And it was amazing, came back, and, he, and there was a Bible club at his school. He became a part of it. There was 30 kids. He's leading more kids to Christ. They now have 120 kids in that Bible school, Bible club. And he's the leader, by the way. He's the leader. By the way, all of our Calvary Chapel friends that have been visiting, I'm so proud of a gentleman in there that we gave the books to for this. Why? Because of the resources in this house. And you went to the Hancock County Jail, and you have three groups, and you have 51 men in jail hearing about Christ and living a no-regrets life. Come on, can we give God a hand clap for that? Hey, 
I'm so grateful every week for all the children's ministry, all the things that are happening. We have over 1,000 to 1,500 kids in our campuses on the weekend alone. Why is that? Because resources in the house of God gives the opportunity to have food in the house of God and giving it out. Yesterday, the South Shore, I want to say one more thing to the South Shore. I'm so excited this spring that your new building's opening up. Friday night at prayer. By the way, you guys need to hear about Friday night prayer. At the South Shore, you guys had 354 people on Friday night. Guys, y'all ready for this? They only have 250 chairs. How do they all fit? They didn't. (laughs) And you know what's so amazing? The next morning, there were 77 people out of 1,000 people at that campus that were serving the South Shore in the name of Jesus. We're so proud of Bethany Connor and all the blessing that God's doing through her life. Come on, you're doing a great job. Why are we able to do all that we do? Why are we able to do? Because of why? Because food is in God's house. So I want to end with this. I want to lovingly encourage you and really challenge you as your pastor. And again, I apologize. I, 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 for, it's been two years, if you're here, that you've never heard me teach on this. And, and I usually do a stewardship series. But, but I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to challenge you for 2020. I challenge you to take God at his word. I challenge you to take God at his word. I know it's like, oh, pastor, I'm a little bit nervous. I know, we all are. But when you step out and you invite the spirit, what you're doing is when you obey God, you're inviting the supernatural into your resources. And things, supernatural stuff happens. Amazing stuff. I'm encouraging you to obey the scripture. And by the way, in every area of your life, and then you see the blessing of God and, 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 and then God starts speaking to you above your tithe and, and you're at a store and you want to help out. And it's not just Christmas and, 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 and watch it. Your whole internal orientation begins to change. And then, and then you experience the emotions that are unlocked from being a generous person. Oh man, it's so powerful. You guys are amazing people. As your pastor, it's a privilege to be your pastor. I'm trying to help you on this journey so that we can become everything God created us to be and we can live a life of no regrets. Come on, do y'all receive that word today? I want to pray for you. I'm going to pray for everybody. Let let me pray for you. I'm going to ask you to just bow your heads right now. And Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're doing something so supernatural in our hearts, our minds, our life. And maybe this is the year for somebody to step across the line not of faith, they're believers, but because of fear, they've been held back and because of scarcity. But Lord, let this be a year that they, they begin to take steps to understand the supernatural supply that happens in their life. Let them see what it really means that you said the floodgates of heaven. What does that, how they sense a new sense of God in every area. So begin to obey him in the scripture. And maybe you're in this place that you do not know Christ. I, I literally have one minute. If you do not know Jesus, you're not sure about your relationship with God. The Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do you know Jesus? Do you know that you know that you know if if you die today, you're ready to stand before God? If not, I'm going to pray with you. It's not about joining our church. It's not about that. It's about lifting up your heart to Christ and saying, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me. Make me new. Do you know Christ? Are you at peace with God? With everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed, if you say, Pastor, pray for me at every one of our campuses, I need Christ. I'm not sure about my relationship with God, the count of three. I'm going to ask you to hold your hand up high. You know who you are. You sense the Holy Spirit of God dealing with your heart. Pastor, I need Christ. Pray for me. One, two, three.